Hey, Bobby, great to have you on the show. Uh, super excited, honored to have you on the Living Undeterred podcast. Thanks, Jeff. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, you and I have talked a number of times, and uh, I had to hit record because we were having such a deep conversation. <laughs> I'm like, hey, this is good stuff. Let's save it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the beauty of what we do. You know, you have a podcast. Uh, I know that it's probably, you know, one of the more rewarding things you do every day um, just to meet people. And then in one hour, you just feel like you know them really well. You know, there's some, there's some, right. something beautiful about that. Yeah. The, the connections that you make. It's funny. So many people have reached out to me this week, Jeff. I don't know why, but they're like, Hey, why'd you start your podcast? You know, and how do you enjoy it? And I'm like, unex the unexpected thing I think are the connections that you make and that, and the learning, like right. you can't help but learn about all these different things. So I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah. It's constant learning. And, um, I, I tell you, people ask me all the time. It's like, Hey Jeff, what's your secret? And I thought, first of all, I'm just, I'm a dad from Iowa. I, there's nothing, believe me, there's nothing special about me. Um, and I, I don't say that asking for someone to give me like sympathy or, or empathy. It's like, no, I just, I found ways, you know, through work and, and trial and error that work for me. Um, and, and I think anybody, and you know, I want you to share your story because it involves living undeterred. Um, I read, I read, I reread your bio again on LinkedIn. I'm like, wow, I forgot about that. Forgot about that. Cause you and I haven't talked for a long time, but yeah. you know, it just goes to show that when you look at somebody, you see color, you see gender, maybe you see economic status, but what you don't see is their story. That's right. Story is a lot harder to see. It takes time and it takes the listening to hear it. So how long have you been doing your podcast? I've been doing my podcast for it. I started it in July of 2020. So, wow, coming up on three years. <laughs> I was going to say two years, coming up on three. You and I are almost uh, per, I'm, I'm just coming up on three as well. Um, and yours is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, unyielding, thriving no matter what. Yep, unyielded, thriving no matter what. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the recent stories you've had? Um, what are some of the key, uh, stories that you can remember here recently that you've had on? Yeah. Well, it's funny. One went live today and it's one of my favorite ones. Um, it's with a, he is a psychotherapist as well as a life coach and a yoga instructor. And his name's Tom Glazer. And his story is he, he had his dream job, loved it a new coworker came in that had more position power than he did mm -hmm. and literally hated the ground that he walked on. And Tom wanted to retire from this job. Like he loved this job, loved getting up every single morning and going to work. And at, at a point, you know, he tried everything he could. And at a point he's like, it's not going to work. So he left, went into private practice. And, but at first, you know, ab after that, he was really devastated because he's like, damn, this was, this was something I really loved. And he started noticing all these happy people around him. And so he, he got curious and he started saying, okay, so why are you happy? And then, and then that turned into a book, a book project for him. And he's like, you know what, what, and he just kind of started following that passion of his. Hmm. And, and so that was one of the things I loved. And so we had this great conversation about what makes people happy, you know, and it's not, it's not what I think. I don't think it's what people think. People think happiness comes from external circumstances. Right. And it seldom does. Or what, a, there's, there's, yeah, there, there's a stat, right? Researchers have studied it. Your external circumstances account for what? 10% of your happiness. 10%. I believe it. Um, yeah, there's, there's no question that. And plus two, it's not a destination. It's not. <laughs> you know, it's not like, hey, let's go travel to happiness today. It's like, you know, it's, it's a process. <laughs> you, you, and I don't think you ever, it's a fleeting emotive state. That's what I like to say. You know, whereas peace, peace is that place I think we can reach. I think happiness, happiness is the pursuit of peace. Peace is a place I, I really do think. I think you can reach peace in your life where you just get up. You're genuinely happy for people when they do well. Um, mm -hmm. I know I battled this for a long time and as an ex-athlete and a competitor is imposter syndrome. You know, I would mm. see Bobby Kaler with a podcast and I'd go, man, her camera's better than mine. Her her guess is better than mine. Her, I used to be that guy just not too long yeah. ago. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, I'd say three, four years ago. And yeah. in a way that kind of forced me to get better. That, that's mm. the positive. 
that's the positive that's right. nature of jealousy and envy is it can be an impetus to improving your life. So, but now I'm like my time, like on Twitter now I'm considering actually just getting off Twitter completely. It just ends up being for me difficult to be on Twitter and get much benefit from, uh, really? LinkedIn. I love Facebook's okay, but maybe it's just the people I follow on Twitter or the people that get put to me through the algorithm or whatever. Um, but I'm just trying to find more time during my day where I'm in inner peace zone, you know? Yeah. Um, I think about it. Social media does not necessarily encourage that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. That inner peace. And I don't, I don't know if you ever find this on your podcast, but it's interesting to me how I'll have guests and, and, you know, the conversation goes a different way, but it's interesting to me how many of my prior, like over the last six weeks or so, how much the guests have brought up things like coming from a loved base place, you know, cause it, you, it, you're either love based mm. or you're fear based, mm-hmm. right? And fear based is that that's where anger and jealousy and all those things tend right. to live, right? Because we think, oh, there's not enough. But when you're really coming from that love based place, you talked about it earlier, you know, that compassion for others, the empathy for others. It's so much mm-hmm. easier for us to, to be in that space. And when we're in that space, it's easier for us to, to feel at peace. Because if we're feeling fear, it's really hard to feel at peace. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's just so rewarding to do something for somebody and really not expect anything back. Yeah. And also do it almost anonymously. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's tempting to do something nice and then go to social media and plaster it all over the place. And I, I get yeah. the I get the utility of that you know if I donate five thousand dollars to a charity, if I post that, that may get more people to donate, right? That's right. Um, but you can also you can also see through some of the comments and posts people make that are more just based on narcissism uh, or right. self validation that they need affirmation from people. And I yeah. think you know we all kind of gravitate. We all kind of go back and forth between it. I've got this thing in my head. It's like, I try to think of Bobby when I make a post, you know, am I, if, am I giving gratitude forward? Am I being viral with my gratitude? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you tell me something nice or you give me an award and I go and post it, I want to make sure that I'm tagging or including other people that I can like brag about them. Yeah. So it's not like I'm putting you on there. So you read my post. I want to tag you. And then I'm going to say, Hey, check out Bobby. She's got an awesome podcast. You know, I was a guest on her show. So I kind of like, I'm being very intentional in my posts that I want to, I want to make that the effect of being viral on social media. Um, do that with gratitude. You know, if if one person tells me something good, I want to put out five good Mm -hmm. gratitudes out in the world at that moment. Imagine if we all replicated that. We, we could you we know? could change a lot, right? Because so we, we don't see that that much yeah. out there. Like this is just going through my head. I was on LinkedIn earlier this morning, and it was a one of my colleagues had liked someone else's comment or post, and it was this this post. I think it was taken from a barber shop, and it was like the camera was up in the corner, like you know that they just have shining down. And it was a barber who was shaving the head of a young Mm, girl. She's a cancer patient. Have you seen this one? I don't know if you've seen it or not, but so he's shaving this, this, this girl's head. I probably haven't, but I'm, I'm sure I, no, I haven't. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. So she's, and and she's crying because obviously she has long, beautiful hair. And at the end he hugs her and you can just see in the hug, like you, you can see the humanity in the hug. But the next thing he does is he takes the same set of shears that he used for her and he shaved mm. his own head right there in the moment. And it was just beautiful. That's like, awesome. It's it's hard to watch that and just not feel stirred, you know, in your heart. Right. And that's the good of social media. That is the good of it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons why I think LinkedIn's probably my favorite, just because I see more of that type of stuff than I do on the other uh, yeah. platforms. Um, 
Yeah. So let's hear about your story. Let's hear about your story. So one thing I need, I always ask people who are kind of in the space you're in is a coach, you know, like a life coach or a motivational coach, whatever. How is that? How do you explain that to somebody that doesn't know what that is? And, and how is that different than say a therapist or somebody okay. like that? All right. So a therapist, let's start, let's start with that part of it. Um, cause I've, I've, I have, uh, I, I saw a therapist for many, many years. My, my backstory there is a little bit, I had a wonderful parents. My mom was one of the most amazing people I've ever known. And she had deep psychological issues. Uh, they believe it was they, at the time they called it functioning schizophrenia. Mm. So there were some days that were amazing. Oh, there were wow. some days that it was extremely violent in our household. And, um, so I had a therapist to help me deal with those types of things that you definitely want a therapist for that. Anything with mental, um, like if, if it's mental illness or it's like, in my case, it was, it was overcoming a trauma. My belief is that that's when you want a therapist or a psychotherapist, a psychologist, something like that. The coaches should mm. not delve into that. We, we should not be doing that. Um, right. so what I do, I, I call myself a self-leadership coach because self-leadership is all about how do we direct our lives and our actions towards a desired goal. And, and I kind of think that self-leadership, it's kind of mm -hmm. like your owner's manual for yourself, but we're not given one of those when we mm -hmm. enter this world. I like that. So, um, you know, it, right. it's how do we get the best right. out of ourselves? You know, and the reason I'm laughing there is um, several years ago, I bought, it's a used BMW. It's, 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 it's awesome. It's red. It's real cool. And the guy I bought it from is a master BMW mechanic. <laughs> and he said, Bobby, you really want to read the owner's manual because this car can do so much stuff that you can't even imagine right now. And I kind of feel like that's how most of us are. Right. We have this great untapped potential. So, so that's kind of what I do. I kind of help people think about what's the direction I want to go and how do I align my resources, my, the way I think, the way I act, the way I behave, the skills I build, how do I direct all that so that I can achieve my goals? So does that kind of answer your question? Hmm. It, it does. And so when it comes to goal setting, you know, um, what's the best way to go about that? I mean, it seems like sometimes people set goals that are unrealistic. Um, they can set goals that are too easy. Um, mm -hmm. how do you suggest somebody starting out in their goal setting? So with goal setting, I, I, I kind of have a different view than some people. I think that there's absolutely a time and place for goals. I happen to think though, it's way more important to set a direction where, you know, like this is the direction I want to go. Um, and, and that's for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, the science backs that up. Uh, there's a, a, an amazing researcher. His name's Richard Boyatzis. He was my professor at grad school. And, he, and back in 1969, hmm. he started studying how do people change in intentional and desirable ways, uh, in sustainable ways. And he came up with what's okay. now called the intentional change theory, ICT for short. And it begins with our vision of our ideal self. So for example, part of my ideal self is that I'm a fit, healthy, strong athlete. It's part of my ideal self that guides my every day, right? I, so that means I align the way I eat. Um, right. It means I work out, means all those things, right? It's, it's all aligned with that versus saying I'm right. going to lose 10 pounds by July 7th right. Right? <laughs> or whatever it might be. So, so I like to say, pick nope. a direction. Yep. <clears throat> You know, because you know, I, I just think it's a lot more positive. And, you know, you, you'd asked about my story earlier. And, and the other reason I believe in this direction is, you know, part of my story is back on March 6th of 2003, I collapsed. Um, and by that, I mean, I couldn't even raise my forearm to brush my teeth. And it was it was overwork. It was too much stress. But it started a 10-year journey. It took me 10 years to get fully back to being healthy, you know, and not just healthy, Hmm. but being strong. And, and this athlete. happened literally overnight. No, Jeff, I was, <laughs> I was this happened literally overnight. No, no, it, it was, I, I ignored a lot of the signs. Really. It happened over the course of about 10 months where gradually I kept getting more and more tired. Okay. Um, it became hard to take a shower. I couldn't stand up long enough to take a shower. 
but I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing because that's what I've always mm. known. Like that's my signature strength. And so eventually it caught up with me on March 6th. Mm -hmm. And at one point, this was about, I don't know, five, six months into this, um, a doctor said, he's like, based on the research and what he thought I had, he said, you know, people with this, only about 3% of them experience a full recovery. And my first question back was, okay, but when can I go for a run again? Because I was a runner. And he's like, Bobby, he's like, I think and he's like, right. I think you're going to have to accept your, your days of being an athlete are over. And I thought, no, I've always been an athlete. I will always be an athlete. Right. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I will always be an athlete. And, and at that point, right. Jeff, that direction, I, I, I will be an athlete again. That, you know, I, I didn't set a specific goal. Like I'm going to get better and run a marathon. Right. It was just, I am an athlete. And now I do stuff I that, that I couldn't even imagine doing before I got sick. The reason why I absolutely love this uh, way you've explained it is think of anxiety and let's just go to Gen Z because that's an area where a lot of my initiatives are being focused on. Yep. Think of the anxiety with Gen Z. Okay. Let's mm -hmm. think of some goals that an average 16 year old oh. has. I want to graduate with a four point. I want to go to Stanford. I want to play division one sports. I want, I want, I want, and they have these goals yet no direction. So they get up in the morning. They're not doing things that day to get them in that position where when that opportunity presents itself, they can do the best that they can. And then if they don't achieve that goal, let's say they, they get a chance to, to start on a basketball game. This is the shot they've been trying and they get in and they have two turnovers and they come yeah. out. That's not the end of the goal. It's like that, that's, that's part of the process. You know, that's part of why when you do finally get to where you think you want to go, why you can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm happy. I didn't, I, I'm happy. I didn't give up when that, was on the table that, that, that was an option for me at that point in my life was to quit. And I didn't, there's something yeah. about taking the pressure off having a specific goal, because what happens with a lot of type a people, Bobby, a lot of competitive people, they want to have a goal, right? When they get it. And then what do they do? What's my next goal? It's like, so, you know, I think you got to think of these things as a process or a direction, as you said, I really, really like the way that was presented. And I think, for kids focusing on, are you doing the things today to get you in a position that when that goal presents itself, you can capitalize. That's right. And related to this is something it's research. Um, the, the researcher's name is Gary Latham and he researches something called learning goals, learning goals versus performance goals. Because if you have a performance goals, and this holds if it's in athletics or let, let's say sales, whatever it might be, um, the performance goal is the number, right? And that's all you can see. Mm -hmm. A learning goal, however, is about how do I get to that number? So, so you're, setting your, you're setting your goals differently. Right. And by doing that, the people, and I don't remember right. the exact specifics anymore, but learning goals, people who set learning goals, they outperform people who set performance goals by something like 80%. They're, you know, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's a substantial mm. number. Because think about it, to use your example there, let's say you know, you're a kid and you finally get to go into the game, you have two turnovers, whatever, and then you come out, you're, if it's just a performance goal, that's a yes, no. Did I hit it? Did I not? Right? But if it's a learning goal, then you can also think about, right. okay, but what did I learn? And the learning is so valuable. Yeah. I, it's got me thinking about, let's take something that I'm passionate about because, and, and I don't know your experience in this area, feel free to add, but let's take uh, alcohol, for example. Um, mm -hmm. Let's say I'm an alcoholic. Well, I was an alcoholic for 30 something years and um, I want to quit. So that's my goal, right, Bobby? Yep. I don't want to drink alcohol. I want to be sober. That's my goal. And then, um, I'm doing really good. I, you know, that's my every day I'm focusing on going to meetings and all that. And then one day I decide I want to, I want to get drunk. I just can't handle it. It's too stressful. 
-hmm. And so I have that one day in six months where I drink. And what happens is because I had this goal that's fairly unrealistic for the first time around. I mean, most people fall off the wagon a number of times before they get sober. So I set this kind of a ridiculous goal. That I'm never going to drink alcohol again. And I did. So I kind of, I, I made, you know, a human mistake error in, in that day, right. but I torture myself. I go on social media. I cry. I apologize. I beat myself up and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but you know what? One drink in six months, that's a hell of a success story. That's, 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 that's direction. You're, you're heading in the right direction, but we that's don't right. do that in the alcohol space. We just don't, we call it a failure. Now the people that are in rehab, they'll say, oh yeah, recovery is it's, it, you know, it's part of the process, you know, falling off the wagon, whatever. But I just think that I have a lot of friends that are just adamant about this, keeping track, keeping score of how many days they've been sober. And I'm like, I never went down that hole because my fear was if I did choose one day to drink, I wasn't going to beat myself up. Yeah. I just wasn't, I haven't had yeah. drink in five years. If I drank tonight, if I drank tonight, I would say, you know what, Jeff, 99.9999% of the last five years, I didn't, I didn't drink. That's a hell of a success story. That's a huge success story. Instead of beating it's myself really up. Yeah. It's really funny right. you bring up that, that, that example, because when Richard was, he was a PhD candidate at Yale, Richard Boyatzis, he started studying why do some, you know, people, uh, he started with alcoholics. Why do some people successfully give up alcohol and others don't? Mm -hmm. And part of what he found is that if they tie it to their ideal self. So for example, if you, if you were to say, you know, um, I'm going to, I'm going to use a different example. I was talking to a woman on a plane once she was in her seventies and she was really fit. And I said, wow. And we got in this conversation and, and I said, wow, you know, you're in amazing shape. And she's like, I used to be overweight. And she goes, I tried every diet. They all failed. And she goes until one day I said, you know what? I want right. to be the type of grandmother that can go, you know, skiing and, and hiking and biking with my grandkids. That's different, right? right. Because now it's about how, how do I become 100%. that person? Yeah. It's not about a goal of losing right. weight or a goal of not drinking. It's about who am I and how do I become more of that person? Yeah. I, I think, we need to give ourselves permission to have more wins, more success stories, yeah. more, um, you know, I think I, mean, I had a podcast yesterday and I'm going to probably just completely hack this up. Maybe, you know, the answer it's like, you know, 80% of our thoughts in a course of a day have a tinge of negativity to them oh. or self doubt or, you know, and that's and thoughts are an interesting part of, uh, where I'm really, uh, focused on, being really attentive and aware of, of my thoughts, because I don't think I'm abnormal in the context that I have negative thoughts as well. Like everybody else, uh, I try to focus really hard on letting them die. In other words, don't identify with them, just letting, letting them drift off like a wave. Um, but the fact that we know going into this, that majority of our thoughts we have, all of us, uh, are negative. We need to find ways to to fight against that, you know, cause you can't just stop thinking that's not no. going to happen. No, you can't just say, I'm only going to have good thoughts. It's like, if I say, don't think of a blue car. Okay. You're don't think, think of a blue car. car. All you can do is think of a blue car. It's like, so if you just sit around thinking to yourself, I'm not going to have negative thought. I'm not going to have negative thought. Oh damn. I'm, you know, this sucks. You know, it's like, you're gonna have a negative thought. It's like, I think we yep. just got to really look at this differently and maybe pull from some ancient, uh, philosophy, uh, stoicism, things like that, where they talked about reframing, um, people who do follow me know that I'm pretty heavy in, in, in stoic. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say philosopher. I'm not a philosopher. Uh, I like mm -hmm. the ideology of reframing and the stoics seem to do a lot of that. So, um, yeah. but yeah, anything we can do because right now, right now we're mm -hmm. the most depressed anxious, over-medicated, over-analyzed, over-diagnosed humans ever existed. And it That's doesn't right. have to be this way, right? No, no. I'm so glad you brought this up because you're right. The average person, the majority of our, the vast majority of our thoughts tend to go to the negative, tend to go to the bad. So there is a program that I went through, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago. Um, actually, I started by reading the book. It's called Positive Intelligence. And it's by a researcher at uh, Stanford, Shirzad Shamin. 
And he has taken basically a blend of four different sciences. Plus there's a lot of meditation, you know, the ancient wisdom pulled into it. But the four, the four sciences are uh, neuroscience, cognitive behavioral therapy, performance science, and positive psychology. Now, my grad degree is based in positive psychology and positive psychology is the study of human flourishing. So it's not positive thinking, right? It's not like, yep. oh yeah, it's just being a Pollyanna. So what, and, and so positive intelligence is, it's really about our mental fitness, not mental health, but mental fitness. And our mental fitness is all about our capacity right. to respond to life's challenges with a positive mindset. And there are two assessments a person can take, and you can find mm -hmm. both of them on my, on my website if they, they're free. Um, they each take around three to five minutes. The first one will tell you your PQ score. So how much of your time are you, is your mind working for you versus working against you? And most people who have taken that have right. been really surprised, like under 50% of the time. Um, the second assessment okay. will tell you which of the, the, the scientists call them your, our inner saboteurs. And there are 10 different saboteurs that they've identified. And basically a saboteur is just simply our, automatic ways of thinking and reacting. Um, so the, the other assessment will tell you which of those you have, but all of us, the one that's universal is a judge. And that's the judge that judges ourselves, judges others and judges circumstances. Hmm. And what the researchers have found is like the vast majority of our stress comes from these inner saboteurs, which is essentially our inner talk. And it's stunning to me. So what's fabulous about it, though, they've also laid out um, the how to how to counter, counteract it. And it's things like our self-command muscle to notice when we're having those negative thoughts and, and, and to stop and redirect. Because in, and once you start, I went I went through the program myself mm -hmm. and I became a coach because I love it. But I was surprised because I thought I have pretty good awareness. Right. I've been to grad school. I've been working on this for how many decades? Right. I was surprised how many times, especially, you know, you, you kind of get hijacked and then you can spend time in that, in those negative thoughts. Like I had one client, Jeff, and he's, he's an amazing person. And he was like, Bobby, he goes, when something bad would happen, he said, he goes, I might stay ruminating, ruminating on that for days. Think about what that does to you. Mm. Days we're, we're giving over to this. And then he went through the and program. And everybody around you. And everyone around you. And I mean, and that's what his wife said too. They went through the program with me, you know, they're two of my clients and, he, and he's like, after like a week or two, he's like, oh my God, he goes, think about the time I have back now and the energy. So there, there, there are things that people can do, yeah. but it starts with highly recommend that book and take those two assessments. They're free. Um, it, it gives you so much insight, so much insight. And cause it doesn't have to be this way. Now these assessments these assessments you have on your site, are these proprietary you designed or these ones that you've, you've kind of uh, got from other uh, people that design these assessments? Oh, the, the good question. The assessments, they're on, you, you can access them through my site. They're the same ones that you can get through positiveintelligence.com. Okay. And it's just because I, I went through their coaching program that I can, okay. I can, I just link them there for convenience. Cause a lot of people come to my okay. site for those types of things. So yeah, I'm not smart enough to build those, Jeff. You talk about <laughs> pot, that to, the, to the smart people. I'm not either. <laughs> I I just steal things. I just steal all my ideas from other smart people. Um, but the positive psychology movement's pretty big. Um, do you know uh, Scott Barry Kaufman? He's the host. Yeah, you know of him then, right? I think I recognize Scott Barry the name. Kaufman. He's the host of what? He's the host of the the psychology podcast. Ooh. And he's got a new book out called choose. He's got a new book out called choose growth. And, mm. um, I'm getting a signed copy from him. I reached out to him and he replied. I told him I'd make a, 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 a nice donation to a charity of his choice. If he were to sign it and send it to me. So he's, I'm waiting in my mailbox to get his book, but Scott's podcast is great. Um, again, it's called the psychology podcast. But he spends time interviewing people that are in that realm of positive psychology. And in my book um, that I wrote in 2019, it published in 2020, 
I was doing research on post-traumatic stress, you know, and that's how that's oh, yeah. impacted, you know, not just veterans, but you can be in a car accident and have PTSD. And I stumbled across this idea, this term called post-traumatic growth that's by, right. I'm going to mess this up. I think it's Robert Tedeschi or Robert Tedeschi or something like in the seventies or eighties, there was a movement for this. And it just, for some reason, it just died out. But I'm like, post-traumatic growth. And I thought to myself, yeah, why, why do we just, for example, um, what did someone tell me uh, about post-traumatic stress disorder? There was another acronym for it, like, like post-traumatic opportunities or something. I can't remember what the, what the term was, but it's, it's, again, it's, it's taking an event it, itself and changing the impact that event has on our life. And it's similar to what I'm trying to do when I do my public speaking. My talk's called Living Undeterred, Better, Not Bitter. And my goal is to tell people, sure, I, my son over, was poisoned by fentanyl. It stinks. It sucks. Uh, I mm -hmm. miss him immensely. My wife, again, followed that up with alcohol abuse, caught up to her. And at 46, she died. Yet, I'm a better man. And I'm not just surviving. I'm thriving. However, I have bad moments and I have them daily. I mean, every day. And it feels like I got punched in the stomach. And sometimes it happens in the middle of a podcast. And mm -hmm. I don't want to say I'm triggered. I just think I'm human. When we, we put this trigger label on people, I think that's an insult. We're just human. We're not triggered. Yeah. We're just, some people are, we're all human. Um, and, um, I don't know. I just think there's a lot to this positive psychology and I'm really, really interested in finding more guests like you. I can bring on that, that can take an event like death or an event like, uh, you know, a health diagnosis or an event like bankruptcy or divorce and mm -hmm. not let it define you for the rest of your life negatively. It can define you, but just make it define you positively. Right. 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 It, it can be, you can reframe it. And I'm, I'm reading a book right now and I don't know who the author is. Shame on me. It, but it's called post-traumatic growth. And, it, and it's very fascinating. And it goes into the science behind it. You know, and you were saying the thing about like one of my guests, her, her name is Jenny. Uh, she was the victim of a home invasion. Her neighbor broke into her house. Uh, Jenny was shot multiple times. And one of the things that Jenny said is he only wins if he changes who I am, or if I don't grow and become better because of it. I yeah. thought, wow, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Do you know who, uh, Jennifer, do you know who Jennifer Tracy is? I don't know if I do. Who is she? You should reach out to her on LinkedIn. She's become a good, well, her, um, she's got an amazing story. It's Jennifer Tracy. And, um, I guarantee you, you reach out to her, she'll reply and she'll become a friend. Um, okay. her husband and her daughter were killed by a drunk driver like 18 oh. years ago. And her other daughter was injured in the, in the accident and through a process, um, Jennifer forgave the individual who had mm -hmm. drove drunk and he's now out of prison and, um, she's forgiven him and. You know, there's something about redemption. There's something about forgiveness in this whole story of humanity that we miss. We, we're, we're full of vengeance and, and uh, payback and, uh, you know, um, retribution and stuff. We're just trying to, trying to, I don't know. And, and her story even gets more amazing. She's been through some traumatic brain, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, if injury specifically, but some really suicidal ideation. Uh, she talks about driving down the road and just considering pulling the wheel into a semi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's an amazing person, but going back to this forgiveness thing, I wanted to yeah. kind of have you comment on how important is forgiveness of not just others that have quote wronged you, but forgiving yourself for whatever has taken you up to this day. Forgiveness is huge. You know, and the forgiveness of ourself, I think that's sometimes the hardest one. And I was just reading or listening mm -hmm. to something by Eckhart Tolle. And he was saying that often we don't oh, yeah. forgive ourselves 
because, you know, we go back and we're like, oh, like, you know, when I was 20 or whatever, I did X, Y, Z. But he's like, but, right. but you're judging yourself through the yeah. lens of your current awareness. If you had your current awareness when right. you were 20, you wouldn't have done it or whatever, you know, whatever age it might have been. So the forgiveness of ourselves is huge. Right. And here's the thing about forgiving others. That I think a lot of people miss. I know I did for years. You don't forgive them for them. You forgive them to give yourself peace. That's, that's because otherwise we're holding on to it, right? We're holding on to the hurt. And, and here's the thing. I know, like I've been betrayed. I've been hurt by people, but do you think that they think about it after it's done? No, I'm the only one thinking about right. it. So right. if I hold on to it, I'm hurting myself. Yeah, actually, most people, I'd probably say 90% of the time that you think someone's thinking about you, maybe 99% of the time that they're not, they're they not. probably could care less. Yeah. They, they got their own worry of someone thinking about them. So they're just that game constantly plays uh, over and over. Um, That's right. I was listening to a podcast uh, with Sam Harris, um, the wake, uh, the making sense podcast with Sam Harris. And he was talking about the remembering self, and the experiencing the experiencing self so you, there's like two mm-hmm. two selves you have yeah. your memories and then you have the experiences and he says the problem why our memories are so po- terrible it's why you know when someone says they witnessed a crime you know in, in the dark uh, you know poor lighting even if it's good lighting sometimes it's very unclear if whether that witness is accurate in their statement it's because there's biases involved. There's confirmation bias. There's recency bias. Um, we tend to remember or put most weight on things that happened most recently to us. That's why when investors look at their stock portfolio, when a stock is down, they feel that more than that stock was down six months ago that actually went down more. They, the recency bias holds them in the, in the, in the current position and they put yeah. that emotion into that stock loss. We do that with our memories. We do that with our memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of really good information out there. I think if people are open-minded to learn about uh, these things that in our course of our daily actions, when we have an ability to test these things, um, the more we know, uh, the more that we can give ourselves uh, opportunities to improve our, our well-being, right? That's right. That's right. And, and even if, let's say that you, your, your memory is 100% accurate how often do we want to go back and revisit that pain, right? We're, we're just, we're choosing to relive it. Mm-hmm. The pain, I mean, it's over, mm-hmm. but, but we go back to it and we go back to it and we go right. back to it and it, it creates more suffering for ourselves. And I'm not saying that it's, it's pleasant when someone treats you badly, poorly. Right. Um, I just had, I just did uh, you know, on my podcast, I also have rise and thrives, which are like, like they're under 10 minutes. They're like a mini monologue. And I just did one. It was released this week on this topic. And the, t- the, the name of it, the, the title was, can you forgive the person for how they've wronged you? Because I, I had an experience lately, uh, recently, where someone did something pretty poor, pretty, you know, bad, nasty, mm-hmm. whatever. And, um, but it led me to have <laughs> a really great epiphany. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. So in other words, that experience I can thank them for that experience because they helped me grow and it released all the anger or whatever that I was feeling, you know? So it was, it was a growth opportunity. So it's, it's a tricky thing because the other thing about forgiveness too, is I think people always link it with forget, forgive and forget, which means you just got a free pass. (laughs) Go ahead and treat me badly. I'm not saying forgive and forget. If someone treats you badly, I'm not saying go put yourself back in that position to be hurt again, but don't hold on to the hurt because that only hurts you. It doesn't hurt mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I've got a saying I like that I just started using, uh, lean into it to learn from it, lean into yeah. it to learn from it. And for me, that. for me, yeah, I'm going through my day and something happens, um, maybe some really good lead I had that was potentially going to be working on our app that we're launching, or maybe somebody that I've been trying to, you know, get some collaboration with. And all of a sudden just something happens. It's like, 
lean into it to learn from it. And the best example, the absolute best example I can give, and I, I, it's my show, so I guess I could talk about this. <laughs> if it was your show right now, I'd ask permission if I could go down this road. But <laughs> you can um, do whatever you want. Because I had a brush with, <laughs> I, I know it's my show. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I uh, had a brush with suicidal. I had a brush with suicidal ideation um, the Christmas after my wife died, and yeah. now I talk about it pretty publicly. Um, it was effing terrifying because. I had never had what I would consider a strong suicidal ideation thought. Um, I've had thoughts where I just, ah, hell, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be around. I just stay in bed or something, you know, but ending my, ending my life that had never crossed my mind to the point where I, I was playing out the scenarios in my mind. And this was just two Christmases ago, Bobby, this is not, this is not like in my thirties or forties. This is like recent, really recently. And I won't bore you with the specifics because again, I want to turn this shows about you, not me. Um, but I took shortcuts in my grieving. I got overconfident. I stopped meditating. I stopped working out. I, I was eating pizza. Um, I just, I got sloppy in into what I was doing that was working. And in an instant, it almost cost me my life. So I leaned into it. So after the event happened, I, I kind of like deprogrammed and I thought, okay, um, you know, I, I need to, uh, uh, I need to digest what just happened because it can't happen again. No, it can't happen again. There's it just, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to allow it. And so I sat down thinking, what did I do the preceding week or two leading up to this moment when I was triggered and I figured it out. I had exactly done those things. I skipped all the things I was doing that was working so well. It's like sometimes things work so well, we stopped doing them. Um, That's right. In this case, it almost cost me my life. So I thought, well, I thought, okay, lean into it, learn from it, take that story and add it to your story, you know, with my mm -hmm. grief and suffering and alcoholism and compulsive gambling, all that. And now that's part of what I talk about. And hopefully that can become relatable and, it's therapeutic. And I know when I was reading your bio, getting into the, some of the things you talked about, you even just mentioned somebody that kind of wronged you. There's something about being vulnerable that I think, I think is our way out of this mental health crisis. What do you think about that? I, I think there, because when you're vulnerable, I think that you're revealing your true self, right? And in that mm -hmm. authenticity invites people in. Plus it invites and invites people to step up and be there for you, right? I, I don't know how, how you are, but like, right? maybe because of my childhood, I don't know for sure. Maybe it's just my wiring. I always like to be that, you know, self-reliant person. I can handle this, right? And and there's yeah, great value in that. Yep. But also though, when, when you're vulnerable and you let people see like, hey, maybe I am struggling here. Um, it allows people to show up for you. Mm -hmm. Because feedback I, I got many times, especially when I was younger, was, um, well, you know, it never occurred to me that you needed help. You know, it just. Right. <laughs> and it's like, well, of course I need help. But if you don't show it, if, if you're not honest about what's really going on, how can other people be there for you? So I, I think that's why I think that's why it's important. Yeah, there's. It gives people permission to share their story once you do your story first. So yeah. my little trick, my little trick is when someone asks me pretty much any question, what do you do? Blah, 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 blah. I like to, I like to just very briefly, like literally in an instant, tell them real quickly, son died, wife died, wrote a book, do a podcast. I'm a mental health advocate. It's like, once I do that, their jaw like drops. They're like, you know what? Now you say that, you know, they were going to tell me maybe they were a mechanic and now they're like, well, my wife's an alcoholic too, or my husband's an alcoholic. Um, and my son, you know, is in rehab and then they start things they would never tell me. I mean, I've literally hugged people on airplanes in 15 yeah. minutes, you know, crying with strangers I've never met. And it all started because I let my guard down first, you know, with intention and, um, I'm finding out that that's kind of, I don't know, it works. 
I can't explain it. It. it just brings people together very quickly. But as long as I don't sit there and make it all about me, 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 right. me, 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 people get turned off of that very quickly. That's right. But by sharing our story, it invites them to share theirs if we're willing to listen. You know, and right. You know, to that point, one of the things yeah. that w- when I've done workshops or speeches or whatever, I, I've often shared the story about either the illness or, you know, I had I had what one speech pathologist called catastrophic speech problems. That's what I was diagnosed with when I was five years old. And luckily, my mom's like, well, we're not listening to him, <laughs> you know, which is probably one of the best things that ever happened because otherwise <laughs> that would have been my fate. But when I've shared that, it is stunning to me, right. John, how many people in the audience will come up to me afterwards and say, I had a similar experience or my child had a similar experience or whatever it might be. We're full of these stories. That's one of the reasons I started my podcast because I thought we all have these amazing stories and they're not being heard. And we all have these stories. I think that when we do that, we can connect at a much deeper level. And that's that connection I think spurs compassion, right? Once you've heard someone's story, Mm -hmm. how can you, it's hard not to be compassionate towards them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So in the time we have left, how do we get out of this mess? How do we get out of this mental health crisis that our country's in? That is a big question, Jeff. And I am not a mental health expert. (laughs) I think it's some of the things that we've talked about here that I think, you know, I do think that positive intelligence positive psychology. Those are two great things to really explore. I also think it goes to being connected with people, not just connected on your phone, you know, because Mm -hmm. there's a huge difference. Like my father recently passed away. He passed away in November and a lot of people, you know, they posted on Facebook and that was very nice. And I loved that. There were other people though who picked up the phone and they, and they called and they said, Bobby, how how can we help you? How, How can we be there for you? Right. That made me feel right. it doesn't take away the grieving. It doesn't take away the hurt, but I knew I wasn't alone. And I think the connection is key. And ironically, right. even though we live in a society where we have access to, to all these social media and all these apps and everything, researchers are finding that we've never felt more lonely, isolated and disconnected than what we do now. So we need to have real connections. That's, that's part of the answer, I think. It's the irony of all ironies is we're the most connected to everything other than ourselves. And we have more abundance. Um, Mm -hmm. I can get information literally. And now with this new AI technology coming out, you, you won't even have to write papers in college anymore that you can just (laughs) tell a topic and they'll write a book on it. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we're heading and nothing will be hard work and authentic anymore. Every, everything we're developing from an AI is a shortcut. Everything is taking out the, um, yeah, taking out the, um, the impact of uh, a hard day's work or, uh, you know, um, I don't know. It just, it seems like we're just, this technology is great. It's getting, we, we can do some really cool things with audio visual and presentations, but is it really helping, you know, especially again, going back to the kids, are we really helping uh, the kids become self self-sufficient and there's more millennials and more Gen Z's older Gen Z living at home than in history. So how, how are we going to compete with other countries with China and, uh, you know, these other countries that, that we're competing against with not just, you know, monetary, uh, things, but with the, um, with, um, with human capital, with labor, with, uh, are we, are we giving our kids the best opportunity to compete with the world? I don't know if we're doing them to compete with Chick-fil-A in their local community. I mean, it's uh, it's a sad state of affairs. Well, it is in like the example of the paper, right? With AI that it can write it for you, but that's not the reason you write the paper. Yeah. You write the paper because you want to learn, but there's also the, the other part of education, how we develop and how we grow is through those little struggles. Like when, when you're struggling to write the paper, you learn right. something about yourself. And not only do you learn something about yourself, that's where true self-esteem, self-efficacy, self-confidence, that's where it comes from. And we're taking that away. And that's, it is a disservice in in my humble opinion, which, you know, you know what that's worth, Jeff. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe a quarter. Well, it's our job at, (laughs) it's our job to um, 
try to design and implement and advocate and the, make mm -hmm. the initiatives. Um, we have an obligation for the generations behind us that mm -hmm. not just so they can inherit a better place than I had when I was born, but have an opportunity to do the best that they can with what they have. And I just don't know if we're doing a, the best that we can be. We're doing a good job. I don't want to make it sound like I'm being negative with parents and teachers and all that, but it's like, we're doing good, but we can always do better. There's always room on almost yeah. any level to get yourself better, whether it's your health, right. your exercise, your attitude, your finances, you know, the money things a really big part of some of the initiatives we're doing for Gen Z to get them in a position where they have a healthy relationship with money mm -hmm. because money seems to be the problems for a lot of divorce. Um, it's the, the problem with uh, a lot of people um, handling credit and debt and it creates anxiety, which then if impacts your mental health, but mm -hmm. um, well, do you have any last things you want to tie up with? Uh, I know we went down a lot of really uh, interesting roads, but, and then also I wanted to find out how people can reach you. Uh, what's the easiest way for people if they want to get you a, as a guest on their podcast? I mean, how do people contact you, Bobby? Okay. So as far as the contact, two ways, um, either through my website, which is just bobbykaler.com. Um, do you want me to spell that, Jeffrey? Will you put it in the show notes? K-A-H-L-E-R, but I'll have it in the show notes as well. Perfect. perfect. It's B-O-B-B-I. That's right. That's right. And then I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's And I post uh, three to four times a week. So those are two great, great ways to get in touch with me. And as far as your question, you know, in, any final thoughts, one of the things that my life has taught me, whether it's, you know, the illness or, or whatever, is that there's always a way forward. Always. I don't care how bleak yeah. it looks. There's always a way forward. And just to really believe that, because if we don't believe it, we won't look for it. And if we don't look for it, we won't find it. So just, just know that. I mean, I, I've had my share of dead ends, brick walls, big surprises, but there's always a way forward. Yeah, that's a great way to end the podcast that's called Living Undeterred because mm -hmm. there's always a way forward is exactly what Living Undeterred is all about. So that's a great way to end the show. But thank you, Bobby, and very much enjoyed uh, talking with you again. I know our paths will cross again. We have too many common interests and passions, but thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, very much enjoyed it. Thank you. I, I, I had a great time. <laughs>